This is the Wild Sage Society podcast, where we explore the ideas and practices that help us live healthy, connected, and purpose-filled lives. Each week, our host, Marcy Walker, connects with healers, spiritual leaders, doctors, and small business owners on topics such as human resilience, conscious leadership, and modern shamanism. Here's your host, Marcy Walker. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode will be very, very special and near and dear to my heart with my soul sister, Blair Zika. She and I have only physically met over a weekend workshop, but there is such a deep connection with her that I just can't explain. And I am just so excited to dive right in. Welcome, Blair. Hi, thank you so much. And uh, I, I share all of those same reflections on just the short amount of physical time we have spent together and how the body and the soul just remembers. There's just a remembering with you and that creates such an authentic and immediate space of you have all of me, (laughs) like none of me is hidden from you. And I find that to be so special. Same. Mm. I can already start to feel like all the emotions just coming in and it's, Some of the things that I want to talk about today is the sister wound and your healing journey and our mutual love and respect for shamanism. And just, I can already feel all the feels. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. I cannot wait to just begin to peel back all of these nuanced layers of, you know, how shamanism can be such a magnetic energy that once one feels called to it, Uh, There really is no avoidance of when that will make itself known. There's just perhaps some resistance because it feels massive when the pull ignites itself. Um, But what I love so much about it is that it is a practice and a belief of deep self-referencing and that the wisdom is housed within and the wisdom is restored through these synchronistic moments that we perceive to be outside of ourselves. And so all people's interpretation of what it means to be self-referencing is what I find so remarkable when we're coming from this space of deep healing and deep reclamation of what we had set aside or pushed aside. So ah, it, it is, it's such a, it's a powerful journey and guttural absolutely guttural. Everything is up for review. Everything is up for review. And usually the things that pop up for review last (laughs) are the ones that are uh, most deeply rooted. So it's been an epic journey. It continues to be. The more I become aware, the deeper the inner landscapes become. And it's big medicine all the fucking time. Yeah, it's so true. How long have you walked in the shamanic path? I mean, for me, you know, it was my healing journey and all of the topics that I mentioned are interwoven intricately. So like, just start wherever you Mm -hmm. are called. Yeah. My, I mean, it's my story in the context of how I came to be practicing these beautiful traditions and rituals and ceremonies and how it's become a daily moment to moment practice for me really began. I mean, 
not uniquely, a catastrophic moment happened and it took me to a place where nothing felt in existence and everything felt very paper dollhouse to where I could just exhale and it felt like everything was just kind of, it would flutter. It was so temporary and a lot of questions come from that space of desperation. Desperation to attach to something that felt stable enough to grieve upon. Finding the stable ground to at least grieve was all the comfort that I was seeking. It felt like I was on a raft in the most treacherous waters, not being able to decipher if that was water or my tears or what the fuck was going on. And so I just started to, I started at nothing. And I said, if everything I've known, let's assume everything I know is bullshit. All of it is bullshit. Where do I want to start? What even, what do I want to fucking do? And I dove into art and art was the thing that I make really intricate, hand-drawn, fine detail mandalas at the time, pre-spiritual anything in my life outside of like the Christian church. And so this art just had a way of bringing me into this space where I could sit with this pain. And that word doesn't even come close to touching on what it really feels like when you're in these moments, but it allowed me to sit in this space of safety to feel something. And then the mandala art actually took me into like, well, what the fuck is a mandala even? Um, And then that brought me into a, just a curious path of what is this Buddhist tradition? What is this energy? Like, what are all these things that I continue reading about? Um, And then I just started trying a lot of different things. I let the things that were calling out to me be explored and a beautiful medicine bag that I did not realize was there was being built throughout all of that. And even pre catastrophic moment, my entire life had been refining parts of myself that were meant to be shared on a larger platform, but the catastrophe had to happen to truly be able to step into the sole purpose and what I'm called to do without fear and unapologetically. And that's what the shamanic medicine wheel offered to me was to claim my space in this earth experience uh, for the medicine that I carry and to be able to trust that when I show up to the medicine, the medicine itself is the thing that knows what to do. And I allow myself to just be the channel for it to come through for, which is a brutal fucking process. It's, it's a brutal process. And, um, there are brutal times that we are inside of, and there are powerful people who are here to say, I can sit with you in all of the darkness, all of it, let it all be here. And gosh, we could, yeah. I mean, (laughs) we could talk about this for so long. You know, I think that's one of our common threads is the trauma and the shadow work. And it's such a deep thing. And, you know, just some of the buzzwords that are going around is, toxic spirituality you know and I think when some of the times that I was called and didn't answer my shamanic path was the toxic I was in toxic spirituality and just not wanting to look at it but 
life is so beautiful in the way that we need contrast to be able to love and appreciate the light by dealing with the shadow. So I just feel so grateful and honored that you're here today and sharing your story. It's a powerful story Mm. and it's fucking painful. Are you ready to unlock your true potential and embark on a transformative journey of healing and well-being? Look no further than the Wild Sage Society. Join us for upcoming events, webinars, and workshops to experience the fusion of evidence-based therapies with ancient wisdom, bringing you to a deep level of physical, spiritual, mental, and emotional well-being. To stay up to date on our upcoming events and to access exclusive content, subscribe to our newsletter at thewildsagesociety.com. Connect with us on Instagram at Wild Sage Society for daily inspiration, transformative stories, and community engagement. And don't forget to subscribe to the Wild Sage Society podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, where we explore the ideas and practices that help us live healthy, connected, and purpose-filled lives. Yeah. And it is, it's the thing, I mean, there's been such a beautiful shift within myself with how I view and engage and welcome in the pain. Uh, it's, it's become such an ally and a companion and a profound wisdom teacher uh, upon my own path. And to allow pain to simply be what it is, and that is the antithesis of this epic emotion that we feel called love. And to be able to explore one is because of the other and pain doesn't necessarily feel good. And also it can feel good in the sense that I am feeling this, I am with this and it means that I am aware of what next steps are available to me because I know this space of pain filled experience is not my constant. So what is my path through this? And what is the wisdom that is here? We can release the the triggering moment that opened up the pain as purely the thing that was supposed to take us into the awareness of this moment. Once I've released that thing, that trigger, that experience, that person, that moment, I can sit with what's true. And that's I'm feeling X, Y, or Z in the form of pain and that's taking me into this remarkable story that this wounded ego aspect of myself is creating and to be able to witness the bullshit within it and how it once did protect serve comfort whatever and now it no longer needs to like that's the ultimate goal for me is to to share that pain is a mechanism of engaging ourself in a space that is just as pure and sacred as our loving space and to be able to engage freely with fellow travelers in earth school, the pain story is the story that must be healed so that we can engage without concern with one another. I am not concerned that I will project my bullshit into this conversation because of the shadow work because of the daily practice to shadow work. Um, And I'm not saying that that's 
how it needs to be for everyone. That's how it needs to be for me. It's my, you know, we wake up and we do a, a daily gratitude. I wake up and I check my shadows. Like what part of self hasn't gotten enough attention recently? Um, and that's where we go so that we're not casting these projected shadows of our unclaimed self all over the, all over the fucking world. Like it's, but then even that is so divinely orchestrated because we are in the greatest purge of humanity's history because of this remarkable ascension journey that we've all consented to. So really at the end of the day, I mean, we're all just ourselves experiencing ourselves through these remarkable different perceived expressions of energy. We're just consciousness wanting to be understood by itself. And so in that, the pressure of what this idea of life is completely dissolves because it is in the larger story of it. In my experience for me, self-referencing Blair, this is very temporary and none of it is actually real in that sense of there's just this knowing that sets in that it's all, everything here is simply a lesson. It's a teacher. It is, I am plugged into earth school chapter seven right now. And that's just where I'm at. And it takes the, it takes the desire to die away when dealing with the deepest suffering, because it is not, we're not bound here forever. We're bound here in this moment. And this moment has wisdom. And I came here to learn and to be a student and to alchemize and to explore and to feel why would I want to shut out half of the spectrum of the emotion that I came here to feel? I came here to do that. So let me find a way that allows me to do that with ease and grace and to be in my sacred feminine rage and to scream and to break shit without casting harm, without generating a harmful frequency of karma, right? Like the wounded ego is a wrecking ball the ego when from a space of healed loving intention is a beautiful thing because it's the thing that allows us to gather with like-minded humans and recognize this deeply rooted belief that this is all sacred none of this is to be rejected so how do we sit in that how do we sit in the shit without needing to shift it if, if I have a sister who is in an immense amount of grief right now, my purpose is to not try to make my experience more comfortable. My intention is to sit as witness to her very authentic moment in time um, and to receive what it is to witness another human express an emotion that we are taught is off, off limits. Don't feel that. Don't touch that. Don't do that. Another part of what I'm called to explore is the celebration of what it means to be in that dark water. All of it. So it's, grateful. Yeah. <laughs> it really it's is. so powerful that you're able to hold space for someone and not try to change their state mm. and not shift the events to blame or projection or just even diving into, I'm so sorry that this happened to you and diving in, starting down the road of victimization. I, can, I commend you. Yeah. Thank you. It, it, it was, it's a learned behavior. 
and 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 when we were in the medicine wheel, there was an exercise that we would do where we would hold space as someone was sharing, just one to one, and the person witnessing and listening, no sort of feedback whatsoever, head nodding. I mean, any type like mmms or yeahs or anything. And if you know me, you know that that's like my jammer. I mean, so it was very stoic. The The witness was stoic and it was uncomfortable. In my experience, my desire to nod my head is so that I'm validating that person. That person doesn't need my validation. That person needs my witnessing and deserves my witnessing. Me nodding my head is saying, do more of that thing. That thing is what I want to receive. Do more of that. I'm agreeing with that. Whereas when I'm witness, I'm just holding space for the allness of it versus the aspects of it that pique my interest. And then for the person that's sharing, it is uncomfortable. It's like, well, fuck, am I like, am I losing my audience here? Or am I, <laughs> did I have my audience ever? Like, what's going on? Am I losing my mind? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for the listeners that, don't know what the medicine wheel is. Go there. Yeah, it is a mechanism for hollowing out the human vessel. It is a path that we walk with deep intention as we are receiving different wisdom teachings and initiations into different aspects of carrying the medicine itself different ways of engaging the healing, the earth, the story, everything. Um, and so it is set up through the directions of, of the earthly landscapes with some incredibly potent journey guides in the form of animal spirit. So my journey specifically, we entered into the medicine wheel from the direction of the south, which is guided by Sachamama our serpent medicine. And the intention there is when we invoke her into the medicine wheel, we, we ask that she shows us the way of shedding the skin so that we can shed our stories of the past, so that we can restore our true nature of walking bare belly to bare belly with the original mother, with earth mother. And you know, so that first six months, seven months, eight months is all shedding first calling forward the story, locating the aspects of self that are so unaware of all of the silliness that the beliefs are really rooted in, um, deeply rooted beliefs. So we call all of that forward and just layer by layer, I mean, on the ground, guttural fire ceremonies after fire ceremonies. And then we transition into the West where we go with mother, sister, Jaguar, Otarango baby. And we go into, into the dark, into the shadow. Uh, we call forward the fear that is death. And we deeply explore what it is to die. Uh, and the way that we can explore that is through holding death ceremony over the un awakened aspect of self, allowing that small S self, if you will, 
to really just die and in its place welcome the return of the true signature of the soul. And, you know, shadow work is like most spiritual experiences in the Western world. We get these little tag lines and phrases of like the hip thing to do now is shadow work. A couple of years ago, one might've thought that the coolest thing in the world was love and light. And I'm not coming down on any of that. It's very much, there's this thing I, I say sometimes, I haven't actually said it in a long time, but related to suicide and the many times I've experienced at this point and what I had found to be true in my own experience was that those that spoke of it didn't complete it. And, and those that never spoke of it were the ones to complete it. And which speaks to the desire to not want to die. Those that are speaking of it, there is that aspect of self that does not want to not be here because they're telling someone that they don't want to be here in hopes that that in and of itself would allow them to remain. And so this idea that I don't give a fuck if anyone knows that I do the shadow work. <laughs> I talk about shadow work because I guide experiences of shadow work and I, I support conversations around the education of shadow work. Um, but it's, it's not a glamorous thing. It's, it, it's not a glamorous thing. And the deeper aspects of shadow work, it's a beautiful thing to reclaim the darker aspects of self. Right, that's a layer of shadow work. A layer of shadow work, I think that um, if we want to really devote ourselves to the work is to pull forward every single judgment that we hold on anything and witness and understand and be safe in the body to say, the only reason I can judge that thing is because it is within me. And when I can recognize that this thing I'm judging externally is an aspect of self that I cannot truly judge myself for yet, it's the projection. It's the thing that I need to be able to judge this in myself and hold myself accountable. I cannot. So I'm going to judge it in the external and at least be heard. And that's how, with the incredible work of shadow work, that is how we can have compassion for the most atrocious things in this life while also holding a expectation of sorts or boundary of sorts, a universal truth of the balancing of that atrocious act. Consequence for me is separate from the, the deservingness to heal. We are all worthy of remarkable healing experiences, regardless of the things that we have done and regardless of the, the horror of the things that have been done, the most horrific acts, the soul that acted out in that way is still equally as worthy of a healing experience. Their consequences fucking suck. The can't right? Like they're going to go through some bullshit um, because they've done some fucking bullshit, but they are also very worthy of the healing experience. And shadow work is the thing that has allowed me to, witness the soul even with the soul within the monster the soul within the beast whatever we want to call it empathically loving compassionate space for that while also saying 
you cross boundaries like a motherfucker. <laughs> and uh, you'll have to answer to that. But I don't know where this, I don't know how we found ourselves in this moment, but oh, the medicine wheel. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Shit. <clears throat> time and space does not exist when we are in, uh... in circular time. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, uh, yeah, I'll say this one. I had a, I was talking to somebody at work the other day. No, who was I talking to? Oh, my mentor at the tattoo studio. And we were just talking about, you know, life's life can be challenging and it feels as though in my own experience, it's been pretty intense for the last seven years. And, um, I mean, it, it's not without purpose, but we were just jo joking about how fucking we're just a little tired, you know? And he was telling me this story about, there's this website apparently where when people die in really bizarre ways, it's like, um, it's a fucked up site, but you'll get the point when I, when I, <laughs> there's this fire in the, in the mountains and the fire teams are kind of like looking over everything. They've got everything put out, blah, blah, blah. And the guy's like, man, can we get a close up of what this is over? What is the fuck is this? And it looks like this rubber, like this mound of like this rubber. Huh, interesting. Okay. What the, they get closer and closer, zoom in, zoom in. That looks like a wetsuit. You're like, hmm, interesting. And then like the poor bastard who's like, oh, I know what happened. And he has to tell everybody else like, oh, this, this was a scuba diver in like a mountain lake. The airplane went to get water to put out the fire, scoops up the water. In that water is the scuba diver. Scuba divers now in this bucket of water being like, what the fuck's going on? I was just having a great time. And then he's like, oh, and now I'm in the air. What the fuck? And not only that. So I'm like, at this point, I'm probably going to die, right? I'm in the air of a plane and the thing of water that's might be killing me already because I'm drowning in this like sloshing of, oh, but I'm in my scuba gear. So it's good. I'm getting thrown into a fire. I'm putting out the fire. Like, what the fuck? There's no, if we try to think our way through it, there's nothing that would make sense. For some reason, that's how it unfolds. That's the West being able yeah. to hold space for the absolute unknown and showing up to it so fully that shit happens in this world. We can't, we cannot control that. It's how we show up to the moments. Um, and then we go into the North with hummingbird. And so the first, the first two directions of the medicine wheel, I don't know what it was like in your experience, but that was the most intense for me. It was the most shocking for me. It was the most revealing it changed my entire life, the South and the West forever. Like that's I where I love to be. <laughs> wholeheartedly agree that entire medicine wheel in its entirety. I don't know how many ego deaths I had <laughs> around my trip, but I'm not even the same person. Absolutely. And for me, like that's that we all are functioning to the highest level of our awareness. And as that awareness grows, we start functioning at that level of awareness. So it's, it does bring forward this space of, you know, we were talking about the kind of the toxic spirituality and how what I've witnessed is when there's that initial dark moment, right? The dark night of the soul has begun. Uh, and that first entry into these beautiful spiritual practices can be so magnetic that we want to feel that excitement all of the time. 
And there is a lot of unconscious bypassing. Like, I don't think that we know that we're bypassing the actual point when we're so excited and we just start sharing and like, Oh, I did a, I read this book and it really spoke to me and I just want to tell everybody about it because it's amazing. And, uh, I'm, you know what, I'm going to, I'm just going to start teaching it. And when we're not doing that foundational shadow work first, or it's one thing, do your own work, do that inner work, stumble the way through it. That's what I did. It was awesome. I stumbled and fell and did all of it. Uh, but I wasn't teaching it. I knew that I was going to be teaching it. It became very clear to me with my background prior to my spiritual experiences and and now very much being confirmed inside of them. There is the teacher role is definitely an archetype that I carry. And I also knew that this was so important because it it is the soul of another being that we're talking about. It's not a flashy current, awesome tagline. It is the healing of someone's soul. And there's a responsibility there. If I'm going to take someone into the portal of their darkest moment and do some healing work, I better fucking know how to bring them back with me. Because if they get tethered into something and I don't have the capacity to stay with them or bring them back, I have just generated a lot of pain for this person because of the egoic desire to want to be the thing that can heal this for them. Those are the things that we learn in shadow work. Those are the things that we learn in the medicine wheel if we're called to be a sharer of the wisdom. That's why we hollow out so that our own perceived bullshit of the story does not get projected into the situation. And... I'm grateful for the excitement around all of this beautiful awakening. It's remarkable. It is so beautiful. And it's a constant reminder for me to do my own shadow work because even this conversation is a reflection of the affinity of the shadow. Where have I stepped into teacher mode too soon? Why do I have that judgment that if it's too soon, it could cause harm? That's the shadow. Where can I reclaim that? Where did I step into teacher too soon? And those are just questions. It doesn't make any of us, doesn't make me a bad teacher, someone who shouldn't have taught, a bad person, a bad anything. It was just a young, excited, spiritual Blair. And we don't know what could be generated because of that, because we haven't done the initiations into the teacher role. Those Those are brutal initiations. To be a teacher, you must first receive the lesson. And that lesson oftentimes is the thing that takes us into our pain because from pain is where we find our purpose. Yeah. With finishing after the medicine. Wheel, oh yeah. Jeez. Oh, it's okay. No, no, good. I, I definitely wholeheartedly believe that there is some magic and some energy around exploring pain to purpose. Mm. And I'd love to dive into that, but for the listeners, let's finish north and then go into east because those two directions were also so almost equally as challenging for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I share that same because you know, for you know, in the south and the west, there's a lot of work actually to get into the body and be in the physical body. That's where we store these stories is in our physical DNA, and then to transition into the north with hummingbird which is very ancestor medicine. Uh, 
the inner child and the innocence and the, the being able to pivot and turn and release that control and just be so fluid and in a thousand places at once while also listening to the wisdom of the ancestors uh, and just feeling the presence of them. It was a, it felt very uh, acknowledging in that sense of, you know, when you're a student and there is an alumni and that alumni checks in from time to time and will say like, oh, this feels really great and expansive for you. Like, yes, so much more of this. This feels great. Uh, And then this is like, well, maybe math isn't your thing, right? Like do maybe just do something different. Um, That's kind of how the North came to me was very, very lineage, very divine feminine, very burn the patriarchy, very sister wound, just all of these deep stories on behalf of the feminine collective. And when I say the feminine, I'm talking energies, right? Like the masculine and feminine energies. Uh, And I feel that those that did take on a female body, a physical female body, the, the spiritual women that I encounter are here to reclaim the feminine essence of the physical, sensual expression of the female body, as well as the sister wound. Those are Amen. two of the biggest things that I, commonalities amongst my spiritual sisters. And that came through in so many different stargates, in so many different underworld, lower world journeys, just this, the torment of the feminine and all that she has been through for the last at least 2000 years. Um, I was talking the other day about just, well, my last episode was with Dr. Nicole Hickok and we uh, talked, we explored the energies of masculine and feminine, mm. but I was having a conversation the other day um, with a client about women and the, as a whole and the extreme pressure of the collective to be the good girlfriend and to be the good wife and how that correlates to sex and having sex, even when you don't want to. Mm. And I mean, this could be a good segue into the sister wound and we may just skip East, but, <laughs> but you know, like, you know, cause I just feel like so many women are pitted against each other and especially in competition with for men or mm. to be in relationship and it's the depth of that wounding mm-hmm. to be the good girlfriend, to be the good wife and sex is yeah. excruciating. Yeah. And to, and to really be able to have the courage to pull forward, like what are these limits? What are these definitions that I have around we say like good girlfriend, what the fuck does that mean? And who's, who's defining it at this point? What does that mean? And to be able to, even the reframe of releasing the good girlfriend versus the bad girlfriend and invite in this idea of a loving girlfriend and an unloving girlfriend. Am I in this space of unlove in this moment or am I in this space of love? Is my action coming from unlove? And if it is, why? 
And if it's because of this story I have with another woman, a sister, and how there's a fear on how that will impact my sacred partnership, my romantic partnership, what is all of that? And can I look at that without emotionally attaching to the actual people involved? May I take this experience into the mythic so I can look at it there without being so emotionally charged? What is it? Where did I learn that the jealousy or the uh, competition or where did I start to take on that narrative? And that's the deep, I mean, ancestral. Yes. And that's why this work isn't, there is not a two day course that will clear and transmute and rewire all of this. It doesn't happen. And when we commit to a deeply healing way, it is a daily practice. It is a moment to moment practice because everything is sacred. Everything is teaching something, everything. If we want to take it that far, we don't have to. And that's the beauty of free will. We can step in and say, whoa, this is, I'm going to take this a little bit slower. And maybe, you know, for the first three years of my own experience, it was go hard in the paint. And then I needed to like step away a little bit. That was a lot. Harden the paint and then step away. And then I entered the medicine wheel. I had had about almost four years of my own just explorations. So I had a pretty decent, like I knew, I knew energy work. I knew chakra theory. I knew a little bit about shadow work. I had thought that shadow work was purely just reclaiming the parts of myself I had rejected. And then that was it. And so that ended up being a bit deeper. But yeah, I think we're, sorry, where did we start this one again? (laughs) Oh, sister wound. Sister wound. But it, but it is, I think that it's all of it is an invitation to become more curious with why I'm showing up this way, because we all are born with Bruce Lipton has a phenomenal uh, way of explaining this, but from a space of quantum theory and it being the most proven science at this point, that all things are energy. When I am born and I have a phenomenal computer being my brain out the gate, I have this remarkable mechanism but I do not have the consciousness to have my own thought generating experiences. So for the first three, four years of my life, I am simply functioning off of observation. I am just taking in all of this content. And that is what is wiring the belief system of my brain. And if I am downloading a faulty program, I will download faulty beliefs. And that is why this work of rewiring the actual neurological pathways of the mind is such a long process. It can be done. And those that have done it feel the reprieve from the tortured mind. It does not exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it never seems to stop. I mean, because once you're dealing with the neural pathways, then there's the whole complexity of the nervous system and removing trauma from the nervous system. Yes. And, you know, that's one of my favorite things about the medicine wheel is because it, it's not that two day workshop. It's a lifestyle that you choose consciously every single day to get up and do the work Absolutely. and be the vessel 
that the work comes through. And oftentimes before I start sessions with a client, when I'm going to be doing shamanic energy work is that I'm like, all right, Marcy, you're in the quarter. And she's not there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and that's, and it's such an act of service to be in that space because to truly show up there, it does, it asks us to know ourselves so intimately so that we can know if I'm, if I'm working with a client, I obviously know their story or what they are comfortable sharing with me. If I have, if my wounding has an affinity for theirs and I'm not aware of that, that could be a very dangerous session for both people. And so, yeah, it's just, it's never ending. And that's the thing is the deeper I go into it, I don't want this to, I'm, I am having the most incredible time of my entire life with each passing day because I just settle more into this space of peace where there's total surrender to just be a student and I'm just exploring. And are there moments, man, these last two months specifically have been, I mean, this eclipse season did not disappoint. (laughs) I mean, it was an absolute portal of the things that the thing there's a thing that I had been grasping and holding so tightly to for so long. And this was the eclipse season for me that it was like, absolutely fucking not. Like I've given you enough time to loosen your own grip and let this shit go. You're not doing it. So I'm going to be a little bit more intense, a little bit more brutal. And um, had I listened to the sensations of the body, maybe nine, 10 months ago, it wouldn't have been so brutal but that's what I needed. I needed the brutality of it for it to actually be like, okay, fucking not worth, not, not that it wasn't worth it. The lessons were phenomenal. Um, but it, it is that question of how many times are you going to choose Blair to cross your own boundary? How many times are you going to choose to put yourselves in these circumstances versus letting that shit go and just journey forward? So even with the knowledge and awareness and the embodiment that I have, we are human beings having a very human experience and all of it is with phenomenal intention and there's no getting it wrong. There's just, uh, are you going to walk the same loop? Or are you going to start a different path is really what it comes down to. And that's what I have found to be the most critical and challenging part of the healing way is that moment of receiving these beautiful teachings conceptually to the best of our ability, understanding them, being able to practice them. But there is a difference for me between the practice and the embodiment of there is a shift that happens when the medicine becomes a part of the DNA, almost in an interesting way. Just there's this embodiment that roots deeply. And I have not found a step-by-step for like the embodiment experience. But I do feel as though there is this path of sorts that does support that experience, but it's really an untethering experience to be in that void space for a long time where it's one foot in the old paradigm, one foot in the new paradigm because of these spiritual beliefs and practices, bringing that other foot over is really, really, really challenging Cause you can feel so uh, untethered. There's this time in the journey where it's dark 
there is nothing perceivingly coming towards you. Everything's been let go of and nothing new is here yet. And it can feel very isolating, very dark waters. And the only thing is to be patient and trust. What I've noticed for myself through eclipses and it is very similar to yours with boundaries and where did I step outside myself and where did I, where, you know, where did I slip in the shit and, you know, relationships have been just falling apart right and left. And I've noticed myself with one foot in one foot out, you know, of the new and the old paradigm, it's painful Mm -hmm. and it's lonely. And I have tried to find where I have this resistance. And I also have these expectations around these friends, you know, it's like, I, it was smacked. It smacked me in the face, literally about like, Oh my God, I want this person to come with me. So I'm dragging, I feel like I'm dragging them. And it's almost to the point where I'm pushing them like rope uphill to have them come on this spiritual path. And then it was like, Oh girl, mm-mm, they're not going to come. Just let them be in their own experience of where they're at. And it's been challenging mm-hmm. to say the least. That is where so much of the wisdom is, is this, why, why do I want them to step into this path? Why do I want them to come on this journey with me? Why am I upset that they're choosing not to? All of these beautiful questions, all of these beautiful questions are just, it's, it's just curiosity, but yet we have such charged emotion with it. That's the part that is so intriguing to me is how this body can feel so deeply and desire something so deeply and yet it not be the thing that I'm meant to experience. It is so interesting. And it is. And to be able to feel that without having the old story attached to it of this thing is happening because I'm X, Y, or Z, or because I'm not X, Y, or Z, or because they are X, Y, and Z, and I'm just X. So it's all of that, like none of that, I can call that out in my own experience now. So it story barely ever attaches now to my, to my moments of pain. Um, I, I am grateful for that because a tortured mind is a brutal place to be. All, all sense of reality is so fractured and it is, it's a paralyzing space to be inside of and to be able to no longer be in that tortured space of almost like Neptunian fantasy nightmare energy of it just feeling really murky and uh, yeah, to not be in that anymore feels incredibly empowering. And it's because I had to have this, the gut check moments of conversation with myself, allow yourself to see where you made shit up, Blair made shit up to give you something to believe in and how, when you can look at the reality of the situation for what it is, I could see how my wounded ego self saw synchronicities and allowed them to become a story. Or I read this tarot, like, so that must be that that's good. 
all of that tormenting stuff, it's the reclaiming of the power, right? So reclaiming the power from the story, reclaiming the power from a tarot deck, reclaiming the power from a synchronicity, reclaim all of those things that can, our ego will give us a beautiful story to match the, the desire when we're coming from wounding and to yeah. be able to, to have the tools to see when those things are present. And then the more healing that we continue to do, the less those things are present, but to exist without, to exist without the story is incredible. Um, and to be able to acknowledge the story very quickly now when it does make itself known. But I also think that, you know, we can, our healing takes place so swiftly from a spiritual perspective. The physical body takes longer to catch up to that release. And I think that that for me is, you know, the 12th time I've cried about something in the last two weeks is it's not that I haven't journeyed through that and, and done the deeper healing work. It's just the, the tear medicine, the, the crying ceremony is my body continuing to release the residual energetics of that. It doesn't mean that I'm still in the pain of that story. It's simply my body releasing. And that was a huge shift for me. I love that you touch on tear medicine. You know, there's so many people that are ashamed of the tears and, you know, the stories that are around that. And that I am in awe that you no longer are able to attach the story to your physical body. And that's so, so, so powerful. And one of the things about you that I love I mean, there's so many of the list. We're going to need hours and hours and days um, is how, how deep mm. you can go. Like we could sit and talk in this depth for so long mm. for hours. Um, but I'm curious and fascinated about you, how you incorporate being a full Mesa carrier mm. in with your artwork and tattooing. Yeah. Ooh, okay. So after so Eric was my husband. He completed suicide on St. Patrick's Day in 2016. So that's when I started the mandala art. And then several months after that, I decided to do a tribute tattoo sleeve for him and for me and for like our story together. So I found a tattoo artist that I really resonated with. He did uh, a lot of mandala work and it just felt very aligned. And so I brought Eric's ashes in and we put his ashes over, over several sessions, almost, I would say seven or eight months I was being tattooed by Jason and the dialogue that came through while receiving his tattoos and how healing it was to be able to just be in that space of honoring and how cathartic it was and how the pain of receiving a tattoo allowed me to feel the pain of the, of the story that I was experiencing. It was such a beautiful portal of entry into so many different presentations of pain. You know, when the body is exhausted and the spirit is exhausted, the defenses are usually non-existent. 
And so a lot is able to come through. That's why, you know, if I'm really having a tough time moving through something, I'll do a medicine hike. And sometimes with plant medicine, sometimes without, but the intention on all of them is to exhaust my body up the mountain so intensely that when I get to the top and sit in meditation, there's nothing to block what is supposed to come through because everything is so exhausted. And then the descent of just integration on the way down and allowing all that came through during that time at, at the top and just sitting and receiving to really make itself known. So this whole time you're just experiencing, 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 and then on the way down in the integration, you're just, that's where we begin to make sense of it all. Um, so anyhow, with the tattooing, it became clear to me that I could talk about really tender and delicate aspects of my experience and myself through the dialogue of art. And I had never done an art show before. And I did an art show after a friend, a few friends in my family had seen some of the pieces that I had been making. I did an art show. And with each piece, I had 19 pieces there. And each piece had its own piece of poetry with it. And uh, on the night of the artist reception, so the first night that the gallery was open, it was a month-long show. Everything sold out that first night. And the lady who who owned the space that I did the show, she came over and she's like, every box of Kleenex that we had brought is gone. Like, you know, a dozen boxes of Kleenexes. I wasn't expecting the written word to hit people as deeply as it did in tandem with the art, it was remarkable. And that to me spoke volumes. Okay. So there are these ways of bringing forward really uncomfortable parts of ourselves in this life to be discussed through a beautiful modality of art. And then I just continued to do my work and continued to find myself in situations that took me more deeply into some of the core wounding that I hold. And I just, I had always in the back of my mind, I had asked Jason back then when he was tattooing me almost seven years now, where if he would ever take on an apprentice and he's like, fuck, no, absolutely not. Like that shit is ridiculous. I will never take on an apprentice. Do not ever ask me again. And I said, yes, uh, the the more spiritual work I began to do and, and really was able to recognize how I was reframing what it meant to be in a physical body and what this temple and this vessel truly does house. The idea of marking it in profound moments became something that I was just drawn. It was magnetic. It was the perfect mixture of vulnerability, raw openness to, Hey, I want to book a session so that I can get tattooed the energetics of that are, I would like to sit in space with you while I'm in pain. I feel it's comfortable profound. to be, yeah, I feel comfortable to be in my pain in front of you. And also I would like you to be the one that either quote unquote inflicts it or calls it forward. I'm trusting you to, to do that. I wish that you were the artist for my first tattoo. It was downtown mm. Reno in a scary little <laughs> motel. And it was this big biker dude with a beard. And I'm 18 <laughs> years old. And one of my girlfriends is supposed to meet me there. And, you know, I'm kind of shy. And you you know what I got? I got a, 
a red fox paw print on my butt cheek. Yeah, so you me, did. And of course I did. But <laughs> do you think my girlfriend showed up while I'm sitting there bare ass in front of the biker? <laughs> Fuck no, she didn't. <laughs> yeah. Holy so, shit. Speaking of mm. having you be a tattoo artist on yeah. someone's physical frame. Yeah. I know getting an appointment with you is uh, challenging because you're <laughs> very popular. I know oh. because I, I want to be on that list. Yes. So how would someone get a hold of you to have that that wonderful healing experience? Yeah, it's so it's so interesting. So the short answer is to connect with me through Instagram. Um I'm in the process of, you know, creating all of the websites and all. I have had a website before and I stepped away from it for a while, but with the direction that things are moving in right now, it's uh, quickly becoming very evident that I need to uh, structure my website again. And, um, but right now for tattooing, reach out to me on Instagram. I do my best to respond within five days. Uh, and that's not because I'm that booked with tattooing. I do some other things with uh, my time. I have a, a couple other jobs that I am focused on right now. Um, but it is tough, it, especially as a, a energy worker, you know, there's a natural empathic uh, aspect to all of that. And I have found that the best way for me to regulate my nervous system is to do my own energy cleansing every day for my own being. And if I don't do that, um, I can feel myself fragmenting a bit. And so I give myself a bit more time. I used to be very much, if someone reached out, I was responding within minutes and I could feel it really deteriorating my system. So I just been kind of working. I don't want to lose that connection to the person. Um, so if someone reaches out, let's say through a direct message on Instagram and I'm able to engage with them, I've thought about transferring every, everything over to like an electronic system where it's just as like book your consult date or like book your tattoo and I'll see you then. Um, but I love being able to connect. Yeah. We're about to mark your temple, baby. Yeah. I want to feel you and I want you to feel me. Um, I would not want someone to receive a tattoo from me that didn't feel an energetic resonance with my nature. And so you don't want them to have the big biker dude. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so it is. It's I I'm I'm trying to be I, I give myself about that five day window to respond. Usually it's sooner than that. Um sometimes if I'm in a portal of my own excavation, it is not something I will pull myself out of for the sake of uh connecting with anyone you know, my family even, let alone um, a very beautiful soul who's wanting to receive a tattoo. There are times where I am honoring my boundaries of being in my own dark waters um, because they are such potent times. And when I come out of them, they make me a better artist because I'm a more clear channel for, for that medicine to come through. So anyway, to, fuck, my answers seem so long-winded these days, but um, I have a knack for bringing it out in you. Well, yeah. And you know, my dog, my dog walked the rainbow bridge. So it's like, I'm not talking to her anymore at home. So it's like, I have all this pent up energy. I'll be your emotional support animal. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. You do give really good snuggles. I will, I will say that out the gate. Um, but yeah, it's. What is, what is your IG handle? Yeah. So my Instagram is, uh, 
it's true nature tattoo. There's some underscores in there, but I, uh, we can like write something up in the notes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I do. Um, I'll bring this, this episode to a close, but I do love and respect the fact that you give yourself that grace. Mm-hmm. Cause I, when you said that you, the way that you, one of the ways that you regulate your nervous system with that is to create that five day window. And mm-hmm. I think that's so powerful, you know, especially yeah, these days when everybody has an instant attachment to you through direct message and yeah. And for me, or electronic leashes. Totally. A hundred percent. And for me, what really the core of all of that was, is I had some deep, deep wounding with like scarcity and desperation that if I didn't respond, not only would I potentially lose out on, you know, my own professional uh, experiences, but that I would, you know, risk losing a friendship if I didn't respond quickly enough or lose out or risk not being able to show up for someone in desperate need. If, you know, if I didn't answer a call or things like that. And then there was just so much pressure that I was putting on myself to show up. And when I realized that I was the one that was in most need, that's when I was like, fuck, okay, cool. I can, when I come from a place of love, I can't get that wrong. So I allow myself to give that to me also. I'm, you know, I'm a solo traveler at this point. So it's been about seven years of that. So I know how to show up for myself. Getting better and better though every day. Better as in what the fuck does that even mean? Anyways. (laughs) Well, thank you for being here today. (laughs) And being part of this whole experience and Mm. sharing the depths of your soul with listeners that Mm. are just starting or on various aspects of their healing journey. So I love and respect you. Absolutely. And we'll have uh, the wild dark coming also. So that's, I know we're going to dive into that in our next episode. Right. On livingyoursoulspurpose.com or at Marcy, my Instagram handle is at Marcy Worker Coaching. And there's another one that's a new and it is at I Am Wild Sage. So, with that all being said, mm. peace.